In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of The Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. There's Salt Lamakia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. All right, baseball is not boring. You know how I know because it owned a day of the week. Uh, against a sport that is supposed to own a day of the week. It owned the day of the week, what baseball did. Wednesday, the February 8th, 2023, was own football. Yep, it did. It's the sweet spot. Wednesday, Radio Row, out in Arizona, Phoenix, baseballs and boring, went out there in the form of Joe Kelly, the ambassador of baseballs and boring in case you didn't know. Uh, of course, he was talking about the book that's coming out, a damn near per- perfect game, a damn near perfect game, reclaiming America's pastime, which I just happened to co-author. Uh, but he was out there with our guy Coop. They were on radio row. We're going to get to all of that. So, but I just want to sort of reflect on the moment because it was a big moment in the baseballs and boring brand. Not only because Joe was wearing the brand new red Baseballs and Boring t-shirt with a white lettering. Thank you, Swing Juice. You want to go check those out, order those. More gear coming. But he was roaming around with that t-shirt. He was roaming around with a damn near perfect game, Reclaiming America's Pastime, the book that's coming out February 28th. You're going to be hearing more about that, obviously, because that's what we do. We want to spread the word. But I want to take this podcast to sort of reflect. We've had a a good week already, obviously, including yesterday's Ben Sherrington. Excellent. Best I've ever heard, Ben. Best I've ever heard the Pirates GM. Another reason why you should subscribe, you should rate, you should review, Baseball isn't boring. Please do that. And you know how it works. You subscribe. It's easy. I tell my 89-year-old dad, this is how you do it. You subscribe. You wake up. You pop up. It's on your phone. Boom. You hit play. You start your day right with a, a good old dose of baseball. And that's what we've been doing for the last three months here at Baseball Isn't Boring. Every single day. At usually about six o'clock Eastern. Today is a little bit later. And the only reason why is because I wanted to make sure my guy Coop landed his plane. And I'm going to get to that in a second. But just a little bit later, but it's very, very important that we reflect on what happened Wednesday. That's why I felt like this was the good way to approach this podcast. Usually we have guests on. Uh, I know that we have Jake Berger, the White Sox coming on. Obviously, Sean Spradling, WBC Central. That's the a huge, huge news this week. He's got a ton of momentum with his podcast or his ver- his his um offshoot of baseball isn't boring. Under the baseball isn't boring umbrella, WBC Central, the best, absolute best place to talk about the WBC, which we're gonna be talking about for the next couple months. But what we're talking about today is once again the day that baseball owned football. Yep, over Radio Row. All right. 
So let's just let's set the scene a little bit. A year ago, baseballs and boring, we were just starting to percolate. We, Joe and myself, we knew that we wanted to do a book. But before we did the book, we had to get the conversation going. And remember, a year ago, last year, or a year ago, 2022, February, there was the lockout. Everyone was crapping all over baseball, crapping all over baseball. Oh, baseball's dead. Oh, the lockout's going to kill baseball. Oh, nobody's coming back, so forth and so on. Meanwhile, we're powering through and we're saying, you know, we're starting the movement, starting the baseball isn't boring movement. Culminating in March, when Joe wrote the op-ed for the LA Times, remember why we love this game. And it just, remember, this that was the low point of negotiations for the lockout. Joe comes out with that op-ed. It, it was it was really, really powerful because it, it was a fastball or a straight ball right down the middle for people who needed something to remember exactly why baseball is good. And sure enough, about a week later, they settle the lockout. They get back. Chaotic, chaotic transaction period, just like we thought it would happen. Chaotic spring training. You hit you hit the season, and you, people honestly barely even remember the lockout existed. All those narratives saying baseball is dying. No, 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 no. And it allowed us to keep that conversation going. So my guy, Coop, Cooper Leonard, I'm just, that's the last time I'll say his full God-given name. My guy, Coop, so we had uh, hooked up for the Bradfoe show back in January, and he was doing some stuff uh, joining me on that, and he's excellent, a, a star in the making, and he was helping. He started jumping in the baseballs and boring uh, avenue, and in which he, he continues to be. So Coop is a guy who, you know, he went out to, with me to Chicago for a Baseballs and Boring event. When Joe was out there, we had a great time there. Gone with me to the All-Star game. Uh, obviously, now part of the Baseball Isn't Boring podcast helps. He's a producer. He's a co-host. He does it all. And I, again, a year ago, I had barely known Coop. A year ago, baseball is boring, barely existed. Yet, here we are on Wednesday, February 8th, and we have Coop and Joe Kelly, this dominating radio row out in the Super Bowl. So how far have we come? And by the way, we have a podcast, big news coming up. I mean, there's this, I can't even explain how big this is going to be when you hear when the baseball season starts. Like for the last three months, we've had a ton of guests. If you want me to to rattle them off, I'll do it another time. But we're very, very proud in the fact that, that we've been able to do this every day and not mail it in a single day. So now we we steamroll into spring training. We steamroll into uh, the the regular season. Now companies are getting involved. Players are getting involved. Executives are getting involved. Media media outlets are getting involved. All of this. They see what we were want to scream from the mountaintops a year ago. Baseball's been boring. The conversation. And now the podcast. All right. So, like I said, a year ago, this to think that we would be at Radio Row? Never. But here we were. Cool. Joe Kelly and the book. And just baseball conversation in the middle of the football. And what you have to understand about hitting the sweet spot when it comes to Radio Row here was 
you get to Wednesday of Super Bowl week. It's a week and a half since the last game. You've picked through everything. And the excitement, like, it's still a little bit ways away. So I, I use this analogy. It's like Joe Montana's hawking chili at, at, at Radio Row or – you, you, you name whoever was roaming around. That's fine. We see it all the time. It used to be Papa John. I don't think he does it anymore. Uh, but you used to have all these people hawking stuff at Radio Row. Well, yeah, all right. We were hawking stuff. We were hawking a book. But more importantly, we dropped baseball into football. We dropped baseball into Radio Row at the Super Bowl. And you know what? It worked. It worked. Look at the photos. Look at the conversation, everything. It worked. It, it was it was a perfect opportunity for everybody there who the football hardos to have a respite and just say, okay, that's all right. You know, there's other things to talk about. Let's take a break and let's have this interesting conversation with one of the more entertaining people who can deliver that. And obviously he did it through the book. And now he's doing it through these interviews, and that's Joe Kelly. So what happened was, I said, we we had this idea, like, okay, Joe, go out to Radio Row. It's obviously in Arizona, which is good because he lives in Arizona. That worked out well. But uh, I wasn't going to be able to go. I would have gone. Uh, I've been to Radio Row before, so I sort of know the landscape a little bit. And, um, but I wasn't able to go. So I, I felt like Joe should have someone else, someone else there to, to assist in whatever, uh, baseballs and boring duties needed to, you know, prop up a damn near perfect game, um, the hardcover and everything else. Just show everybody, here's the book. Here's the book. That's how it works. And, um, and by the way, great cover of the book. I think you carry around that book. It pops. People are like, oh, well, what's that? That's a piece of art. Yes, it is a piece of art, as is baseball. So there you go. All right. So, uh, but my guy, Coop, had uh, had uh, volunteered to, volunteered or agreed to go out. And, and what he did, he flew out to Arizona from Boston on Tuesday night. Gets in really, really late, stays in a hotel, has to get up early. Now him and Joe go over to the convention center for Radio Row. Goes through everything there. Long, long day. We'll get to that in a second. And then obviously he has a he's a red eye coming back that night. I mean, the guy is a machine. And all I implore everybody to go to the social accounts. Go to at BB isn't boring in both Instagram and Twitter. And just check out some of the, his handiwork. Check out Coop's work uh, because he's a great, great coworker, friend, and support system. Certainly, not only for myself, but for Joe and helping Joe Kelly sort of navigate Radio Row. So they get there, and we have interviews set up. And you know, it's sort of you still don't know exactly how these things are going to go. You have a couple things lined up locked in but it's still you don't know you don't want him to be like this walking around aimlessly milling around and being that guy that you're like oh look there's there's these guys over in the corner believe me it was not like that it was not like that and first of all partly because he was wearing the baseballs and boring t-shirt but because people like understand what a good personality joe is understand like what the conversation can be that it's not just 
I, and I've heard these interviews. Oh, my God. I've heard these interviews a lot of times on Radio Row. And as, as someone who has actually been on the radio during some of them, like you're just like, okay, you know, you, you think you get the guy, you get an interesting guy. And then the interview is like, it, it becomes all about, you know, male enhancement, whatever, so whatever. And it's like, and, and they're trained to just keep mentioning it and mentioning it and mentioning it. Like, dude, can we just have a conversation about something? And so what Joe did, like he went and had these conversations. If you go back and listen to these, and we're going to play these interviews, uh, the a couple of the interviews from Odyssey stations, one in Dallas and one in Pittsburgh. And you can hear, like, match them up. It's not like that. They're, these are, oh, well, here is Joe reading from his book. No, there's different conversations. Like, the one theme in it, I think, was where Joe kept bringing up. And, I, and, and as we do this sort of promotional interviews and talk about – this is what the book is about, right? It's about – Baseball not being boring. That's in a, in a nutshell. That's what it's about. But one thing that Joe I think really really liked, and you can hear it in these interviews, is his sit down, his lengthy sit down with Rob Manfred, the commissioner. And in both interviews, you know, he brings up Manfred. He's like, "Yeah, listen, this is one of my favorite chapters." And uh, and you can hear the host like, "Oh, Manfred, Manfred, Manfred." And Joe's like, "No, no, 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 no. Just hear me out." And he talks about how he really didn't like Manfred and he had a problem with Manfred and then he met spring training and got, you know, he shipped into that icy relationship. And then for the book said, Hey Rob, will you sit down with me and answer some questions? And, you know, came at that, out of that. And again, you can go to a damn near perfect game and see the entire unedited transcript of that conversation. And, and well, I mean, edited to a point, so there's no misspellings, but a, a, a this, this is exactly how the conversation went. And he's like, after you come away from that, you say, oh, you know, you have, might have a different perspective of Manfred. I know I did. I did. You know, I'm like, how many times can you put your foot in your mouth? How many times, you know, the, the piece of metal comment, all of that. And listen, I mean, there's plenty of things to pick through. But if when you read this conversation, or in my case, I heard it, then you understand where Joe's coming from when he's talking to the host of these shows and and trying to explain this to him. And I think that they understood that, or maybe they they okay, you know what? We'll take a look at it, we'll read it, and we'll go from there. But that was the constant. That was the thing that I think Joe liked talk to talk about from the book more than anything. I mean, there's obviously a ton of other stuff, but but then it just became a lot of different stuff. I mean, whether it was you know the Dallas guys wanting to know about Corey Seager or, or the Pittsburgh guys, uh, you're talking about Johnny Cueto dropping the ball. And, you know, it was just, it was just good conversations and that's what baseball's about. And that's what I look forward to when it comes to this entire season, really. I mean, this entire, it's a reminder that we can sit down and be totally unscripted and, and just talk about a million different things. And that's what this podcast has been about. You know, yeah, sure, we have noteworthy guests, high-profile guests, people that, you know, are, are are on for specific reasons. But when I have a, a, a GM on, whether it's Alex Anthopoulos or Ben Sherrington or Heim Bloom, whoever, you know, we do, what, 45 minutes, and it's not like we're like, oh, we have to do this, and here we go, do this, do this, this. No, it's a conversation. 
usually ends up debating over ketchup flavored potato chips. But that is uh that's the great thing about this. And this is why I've enjoyed doing this podcast. And really, like this one today was the first for, first sort of free form one, I guess. Um, but I knew that I wanted to sort of reflect on Joe and Coop's day out at Radio Row. And Coop, as we said, I want to make sure that he landed the plane because, you know, red eyes suck, man. They just stink. You always, it always seems like a good idea. And I, I booked that for him. I appreciate him doing that. He deserved three days of nothing but sleep. But, uh, you know, I appreciate And, you know, Joe has his time. He has three little kids and another one on the way and a wife and, and he's getting ready for spring training. So, you know, I the, the the fact that these guys, it was a long day for these guys, no question about it. But it was a good day and a memorable day, and I think one which deserves to be reflected on. Because here's another thing about hitting the sweet spot of February 8th and doing this podcast this way and doing Radio Row. Nothing happened yesterday in MLB. I'll go to the MLB transaction, and I'm not. That, and we're gonna have Sean uh, just do an awesome podcast on WBC heading into tomorrow. But you look at you look at like the MLB transaction log. If you went to the 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 day, which probably like the least things happen, it might be February eighth. It might be the day that Joe Kelly went on Radio Row at the Super Bowl. You just have it's, – it's flooded with non-roster invitees from San Diego Padres. The most notable, Julio Tehran. All right, so that's interesting, I guess. Uh, Jake Faria for the Red Sox. We already knew that was coming. And then it was just, oh, uh, oh, here, here you go. The Padres, Matthew Batten changed his number to 17. Uh, Rosario changed his number to 10. That's on the MLB transaction log. The big, the most noteworthy thing that happened on February eighth, two thousand twenty three, in baseball in the transaction world is actually a semi interesting trade, but certainly one I don't think that you know I, I'm gonna push aside the day the baseball took over football radio row for. Uh, maybe if if the players work out to be something, we can. But as the Cleveland Guardians traded Will Benson to the Red for just outfielder Justin Boyd, both outfielders, and why that's interesting that you have you know these Benson has just barely played in the major leagues, and Boyd is in his first full professional year. Is they're both really high draft picks, really high draft picks. So Benson was the 14th overall pick in 2016 draft. That, I mean, that's, I always find like that, like when you look at these guys, why they, even though they're not performing, why they tr- are traded for, it's because these teams are scouting them for the draft. They're like, oh my goodness, like this guy, remember how talented he was? Yeah, so that that was, you go back to that draft 2006, he was, Will Benson was taken uh, out of high school in Georgia between Josh Lowe, Josh Lowe was taken right before him by the Rays, and Alex Kirloff was taken right after by the Twins. Not bad. 14th overall. So you have a first-round draft pick, and he was traded for a guy who was a second-round pick just last June. Last June. So understand, like, these are two noteworthy guys. But, you know, okay, Will Benson for Justin Boyd. Put it in your back of your mind. Put it on your radar. Remember that trade. Maybe in a, a year, a couple years, we'll say, oh, remember February 8th, 2023, the day that baseball took over football, the radio row? Oh, you know what else happened that day? Well, 
we had two high draft picks traded for each other. I don't know. All right. Well, I want to play these two interviews with Joe to give you a flavor of what's happening. Obviously, he did a lot more there. You can go to the Instagram account. You can do the social, the Twitter account and see the photos of uh, of Joe over at Radio Row. But um, it was some put it this way. In a nutshell, it was some good baseball conversation in a football world. There you go. So uh, the first one I want to do is the guys in Dallas, great guys, and it's midday show there. So we'll play that first, um, and then we'll get to uh, the guys in Pittsburgh, the two to six show, the drive time show there. And, uh, and there's some, there's some really, I mean, this, it, it was really good because it became pitch bizarrely Pittsburgh centric for a guy who obviously had never played there before. Um, but just a sample, a couple of interviews of a sample of what you, you got on Radio Row baseball wise from Joe Kelly. Subscribe, rate, review the whole ball of wax. All right. First off, Joe with KNC Live. KRLD 105.3, the fan in Dallas. Here you go. We're going to bring on Joe Kelly as this thing just keeps moving. We're rolling, baby. All right. Are you today, sir? Oh, dump it. No cuss. All right, you got. I'm doing great. How about you? You got two more left before we have to cut off the interview. So you know, I think we're good. Is I think we're good because just so you know. We all, you can comment on this if you want to or not, we all hate the Houston Astros as we're from the Metroplex and love the Texas Rangers. Honestly, when the this all got set up and they said Texas, I know a former player, yeah. Kev, um, I was like, man, I hope it's Houston. That'd be funny. Like, I hope it's Houston radio, right? <laughs> um, but Dallas, yes, Dallas Dallas radio, way different. Um, we, all have, uh, we all have our grudges. Sure. Uh, some, some a little more than others. Um, but, yeah, we'll... Thanks for having me on. You yeah, know, absolutely. Obviously, uh, this is my first time being a part of one of these things. A radio I mean, road stuff. Not, not a radio show, but this interview ever. Oh my gosh! This, this is How a, did you avoid this? So I'm 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 a huge uh, video game guy. So I love Comic Con. I love like you know uh, game gaming conventions. So like usually when I come to these things, it's like a bunch of gamers. Can I ask you a quick question? Since you mentioned video games, have you watched The Last of Us yet? Based off of the video game, of course. I have three kids, twins, and I have a fourth on the way, so I have oh not yet. Oh. I have not. The only reason I was nervous is because The Last of Us is about like a fungi takeover, and it's like a pandemic and everything, and then we got a mushroom-based bar, and I Dude. thought, hold on, did I watch The Last of Us to warn me about this? I'm sure it's safe, but in the back of my mind, I was like, is this a bad idea? <laughs> Yes. Probably why we're on air. I should yes. eat the bar. Mushroom-based tea is good, too. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I want to know about Doc, Dave Roberts. Yes. Oh, I, play, yeah. I played with him. Okay. In, i got to interrupt you real quick, in, Mike. Okay. I'm sorry. Oh. I'm going to interrupt. Joe, hi. Yeah. How's it going? How are you? Kay Adams was just on with us moments ago. She's walking away. Yes. She did your first uh, uh, interview with the St. Louis Cardinals. I remember, Kay. Okay. I yes. just wanted to point that out yes, there. Yes, but she, she was in a hurry, and we were in a hurry to get in Yeah. There, but so I do remember, Kay. I'll get you all back together. Yes. Do you think that we're good teammates? Because we didn't point out that he loves yes, Kay love Adams. Adams. I think you're a great teammate because he's not going to say that, right? But yeah. you don't want to throw your boy under the bus. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Joe. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yo, I got great teammates. Yeah. I love them, yeah. man. Back to so, you, Mike. I'm sorry about that. Back to Doc. Back to Doc. <laughs> I mean, 
one of my favorite teammates of all time, the the sweetest man, and now I'm playing with him, and I know yeah. as a player, and I know you didn't play with him, but he's your manager, he, you have to kind of be a little bit different from a player to a manager. Can you tell me about Doc as a manager? Yeah, so I had Doc for three years. Um, obviously very, very good with words, right? You know, media questions, great. Yeah. Um, Manager-wise, a guy who is, is someone who likes to talk a little bit, like, hey, I'm going to go into your office, and I want to tell you, if I'm hanging, I, do not pitch me. You know what I mean? Um, so as a manager like that, I've only played for two guys like that so far that are that open to conversation. Um, so that's something as a player I respect, right? Because I'm a, I'm a reliever at the end yeah. of the game. I mean, I could get beat up, you know, for a whole straight week. And it's like, hey, we really need you this game. Can you Can you post for me? And if a manager says that, you feel bad letting your manager down. Otherwise, like if Doc would never say that, he'd be like, come in, let me know when you're sore, and so I get ahead of the curve. So uh, as him being able to manage players, I, I think he's very great at that. Obviously, the resume says speaks for itself, you know, record number of wins, you know, five straight years, you know, title, NL West title, eight or nine in a row. Um, but, yeah, I, I had a great time playing for Doc. Yeah. And yet because of the cutthroat nature of sports in general, it also felt like if he didn't get a World Series that they might have fired him. So that's a good point because – so we were in the bubble, right? Obviously, yeah. and everyone's going to say, "Hey, World Series, uh, you know, sixty-game season, blah blah blah." But when you boil it down, it was harder. We—it was the first time ever a number one seed throughout the whole entire playoffs had to play in a wild card game. So the best record in all all of baseball had to play against the Milwaukee Brewers in a three-game set, and it's baseball, bro. Like literally, that's why baseball is great. That's why I have a shirt that baseball is boring. The lo- like it's baseball; anyone can win. Like the lowest-paid player in baseball. Could be the MVP of the league. Yeah, that doesn't happen in basketball. That doesn't happen in football. Yeah, because it, say you're a rookie in football, you're still if you're the MVP, you're probably the quarterback. You're still on a five year deal. You're not yeah. the lowest played player. Like the lo- a guy making six hundred grand could be the MVP of baseball. There's, that's why it's great. So we had to go and play the Milwaukee Brewers, and if they won two games, we were out. So it was more teams in the playoffs. Um, obviously, the pandemic couldn't bring your family like my dad was sitting in the stands he couldn't even celebrate with him after the game you know, wow. after the world series like so, crazy things. sitting here with uh, joe kelly relief pitcher when you talked about hanging and your arms hanging and doc's talking about that i think a lot of even you know baseball fans don't understand that when do you know that i'm probably not going to be able to pitch today i know i know myself i know before i pick up a ball and i would say that's rare um, how can you tell us how for like people listening? They need to know. So so so, if I'm hanging, first of all, not not I don't go off muscle soreness because that's that's being soft. I was gonna say different. That's being soft. I go on like actual pain. So like, I have three kids, right? So if I pick one up and I'm like, I could tell there's fatigue, not in the muscle, but I could feel tell like a pressure, like it's bursitis. You get it all the time. Like there's inflammation. There's probably extra blood in there. Um, and then I'll take an anti-inflammatory, so I'll take like ibuprofen, a Voltaren, and then I get to the field, and if I still feel that way, I'll be like, all right, hey, Doc, I'm, you know, I pitched this many times, uh, my arm's hanging, da-da-da-da, I'm not even going to go out and play catch, like, I'm, I'm going to take the whole day, um, but if it's emergency in the 17th inning, like, I'm going to play, because I don't want one of our pitchers, or our, our position players pitching, you know what I mean? Um, but I know for myself right away, like, I, I know washing my hair, like, it's crazy, brushing wow. my teeth. Like anything that has to do with wow. my right arm. So now another thing that I noticed that wasn't, I played from 96 I was drafted, 08 was my last year, is heavy balls, especially bullpen guys. I'll see them throwing them against the wall, 
as they're preparing to, this might be, they might give me a phone call or, or I'm getting loose in the fourth, fifth inning. Are you a heavy ball guy throwing him against the wall, trying to loosen up? Can you kind of explain that to us? Yeah, so the heavy balls are great. And, and for dads that are listening right now, if you have kids like and you see all the pros do it, be careful because if you don't have the right mechanics, you're screwed. You're going to hurt your kid. Um, but for myself, I do like the heavy ball. Um, I don't need much stretching. Uh, I don't use them to like actually get velocity. I use them just to get warm. So I'll take a heavy ball and I'll throw it seven times and then get on the mound, toss the ball like, hey, I'm ready to rock. Um, but heavy balls, I think, is, is they have their they serve their purpose for sure. Okay. I uh, you played with Seager, right? Oh yeah. Uh, do you, okay, you gave me a little, hey, little me nod and Seager, there. me and Seager two days ago. Justin Turner Foundation I saw golf it. course champs, baby. Okay, oh. we won. We got a trophy and everything. And and Corey, I'm a Corey. Uh, okay. He's a Corey, so I support him instantly. <laughs> Do uh, you though? They yeah. spell y'all spell it differently. It is a different spelling. So. It's the incorrect one, but I appreciate what he's doing. <laughs> the, but I did see that he 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 swings golf clubs right handed. He's not good too. Bro. Yeah, he's pretty, yes. he's pretty good at he, this. He's, so he's sneaky. He won't tell you. He's a member at two courses. Um, does play a lot of golf. He'll say like, "Oh, I barely play." You know, one of those guys lies. Um, <laughs> but he's he's impressive because he swings right-handed, and he doesn't warm up. So like, you see guys who take forever over the ball, right? Like, all right, what do we need? Seven iron. So like, th- he gets to the he gets to the tee. He looks down and then hits the ball every shot. Wow. Chip drive, um, and it kind of messes with you because like, <laughs> you're you're the next guy, and you're like like you're like like I'm gonna watch him hit, see like what he does. But he's already hit the ball, and you're like. Crap. Oh crap, dude! And you don't warm up. He's like, no, just I just go up and hit the ball. And he's a really good golfer for barely playing. Champion golfer now. Yeah. Champ. We we shot fourteen under. What can you tell us, like as a as a fan base here, about him, like personally and okay. how he approaches the yeah. game and everything? So because to be fair, I just he's quiet. Get, yeah. And listen, there has been some backlash in some yeah. circles about he'll be with personal coach instead of yeah. be with the team or whatever. So, I, so I, he's, he's always been that right, right? And, and, and I've, I've, I've been lucky to know him because my time in L.A., we were locker mates, right? So okay. Corey Seager, my locker. And, you know, he, he, he loves baseball. He has a bad game, and he takes it hard, man. So he always needs that guy to kind of cheer him up. But, yes, he has, he's one of the guys. You trust someone, you trust someone. He listens to everyone. He has a hitting guy. He's going to go to his hitting guy every day, right? Mm-hmm. It could be his dad. It could be his hitting guy. He likes to film. And what people don't realize is he's an extremely hard worker, right? But he is one of those guys. He's not built like me. This guy is 6'5", bro. Just naturally Jack, gifted everything. Been through injuries. And so, like, if, if fans or, like, whoever don't see him taking early work, say, at shortstop, like, practicing ground balls, it's because he's not built like my shortstop, Tim Anderson, who's five foot ten. 170 pounds, super freaky athletic. Like, Tim could take ground balls every day. Corey Seager, big body, 162. Like, it would be, like, wrong to ask him to do that every day because his body breaks down so quick. You know what I mean? So, if fans don't know him, he's va- he a man of few words. He's very quiet, um, very simple. I mean, he could have $300 million, but he's going to buy a used F-250. You know what I mean? Very, yeah. very simple. I feel that. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, it's not that it, – it might look like, as we call – I don't want to say like the, the resting kind of like, the yeah, pitchy yeah, yeah. face. The it RPF, might look yeah. that. It might look that, but he 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 really is so freaking nice, bro. Like he wouldn't he wouldn't cuss at you. He wouldn't like. He, I don't know. He's just too nice and he's quiet. So okay. that's the best yeah. way to put him. Now I know that this isn't happening, but 
I'm just wondering this. This is a tough, tough one. If Minnesota were to say, we're bringing you on the team, yeah. and you had to be teammates with Carlos Correa, how would that go? Would you say, I'm just, I don't want to be in Minnesota? Or I don't, I don't know. How would that go? Um, that's a good question. I guess we'd have to see if we found out, but it definitely, I think before it happened, they'd probably try to be some, some sit-down meetings for sure, right? You know what I mean? Um, yeah, so I think if I got traded or, you know, I think that's possibly the only way because I'm not yeah, going to go sign right, in Minnesota. Right, right. Because it's, you know, I'm on, this, I'm on the later half of my career. I want to stay Arizona spring training. I don't want to do Florida spring training. So I'm, I'm kind of limiting my teams, right? But, like, hey, if nobody wants me, I'll just retire. Um, but if I got traded there, yeah, it would have to be one of those things. Um, there's been battles before in sports, which yeah. are great. And then you get on the same team and you're like, you know, I, uh, you say sorry, I say sorry. Like, there's ways to get through it. Um, but that's a good question. I like that. Is, Ari- see where we go. is Arizona because such easy travel for the games? Because Florida travel, like, like if you got an hour and a half bus trip, you're like, oh, right, that's the short bus trip. The hour and a half Bro, is the short bus trip. I'm telling you, as a, as, as a player, horrible. As a fan, horrible. You come here, you could catch so many games. You oh, know yeah. I mean? um, like, I, I'm friends with a guy who runs the Innings Festival. Big, big venue. We got Green Day. We got uh, Yellow Car. Like, there. He does the same thing in Florida, and he would say – it's not that great because it's so far away. You know, they get they don't get the same amount of people. You don't access. You can't go watch Cubs. You can't go watch Dodgers. And I think since it's so close and the weather's so good, like Florida, weather's great, right? Um, good golf. But like you said, since it's so close, since the weather's so great, um, most of the teams over here are this side of the hemisphere anyways or this side of the country. Um, there's, there's, no, there's no better place for spring training, for sure. Now, you brought your book along. Yes, I did. The what? damn near perfect game. Okay. Because <laughs> I've really enjoyed this interview. What can you tell us too. about the book? So there's a, there's a, the book is great. Um, obviously, people are going to be like, oh, Joe Kelly can't um, Sorry uh, for that bomb. Dang it. Uh, that means I, the next I, one's your loser. I, know, I, know. <laughs> I went to a UC school, like a, like a Cal, a yeah, UCLA. Yeah. Um, I studied psychology. Um, but yeah, the book, um, I wrote it with, um, me and Rob Bradford. He's not here, obviously. Um, I think one of my favorite things about the book, right? I get into the whole th- pouty face situation right away, right? Just cause I want to get yeah. obviously the fans attention. Like, all right, let's just put it out there. Here's a dirty laundry. Bam. Um, but my f- personal favorite part is there's a whole cha- chapter dedicated to Rob Manfred. Our commissioner, yeah, who hates baseball. I'm just, I okay. That so is, that is my opinion. Said that. that is my opinion. From a guy who has had so many problems with baseball, from a guy who got suspended eight games in a 60 game season for making a pouty face, I had a lot of animosity towards him. Right from after that, then we have a lockout. Players hate the commissioner, right? And so I was writing this book. I was like, going into, it, I was like, man, what if I got Manfred in it? So I just asked questions like, Rob, write a book. I know you want to get good on the player side. Like, kind of like, I know you have this dirty laundry. Can you? Can I interview you? And so, number one, I think I'm, like, one of the first players to actually interview him about the state of baseball as itself. Rule changes. Perk for Manfred. He has the power to make any rule change he wants at any time. He hasn't. So people are going, F Manfred. He's, like, banning the shift, da 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 He could have done that five years ago. But he, kudos to him, he asked players, different teams, different teams, different teams. Throw this out there. Hey, I'm probably going to do it in the next couple of years. Get used to it. Pitch clock, I'm probably going to do it in the next couple of years. Used to it. When realistically, he could have done it right away. So I gained a lot of respect when he told me that. I didn't know that. Number two, he wants to grow the game of baseball. Right now, we have too many regional cable networks with 10-year contracts. Yes. For number one, I used to play there, Dodgers, Spectrum. Boom. Throw a billion dollars. How much? 
and you're locked in. Well, guess what? I played there. I'm a hometown guy in L.A. All my family cannot watch unless yeah. they have that thing, right? It's the same so thing in the Metroplex. This yeah. is in the book. So Rob goes over there. He goes, you're right. As he's talking about he wants more centric owners like Steve Cohen. I said, why can't we get like a guy like Steve Ballmer, a Mark Cuban? Like the owners pay for these teams and they, we barely see them. Like Steve Ballmer's front row, Mark Cuban's front row. Like when are we going to get like an Elon Musk type guy? Like he could buy all the baseball ones. <laughs> like when are we going to get the young billionaire with, with, with the money to come in and kick, kick out the older owners? Like, and Rob Manford, once again, agrees, sets it in there. So there's a lot of things that are going to change Rob uh, – your view, it changed my view because <laughs> yeah. I battled him. Yeah. I got suspended multiple times. I got in a fight with you know, Tyler Austin when I was with the Red Sox. Huge brawl. Smoke, blah, blah, blah. Nice. And I went there. I battled MLB's lawyers. I have, took one lawyer three hours the first time, three hours the next time. Lost my case. I won. Um, I thought I won, but it's an arbiter paid by MLB. Um, so <laughs> that was in the book. You know, so I have all the, all <laughs> the reasons in the world to, to not like Rob Manfred. And after I got done interviewing Rob Mafford um, and put it in the book, all chapter seven of Baseball Isn't Boring, I am a Rob Manfred f- fan. So please read, I this, gotcha. read the no, chapter I do. and it I would do. change your mind in a damn near perfect game. Just read the chapter. And I want all the fans to see, you know, it's hard. He works for the owners and MLB and players. So if the owners bitch at him, if we bit, like bitch at him, like he's, it's not his fault. Like he really loves baseball. They're a damn near perfect game. All right, next up, good stuff from Joe, by the way. Good stuff from the guys in Dallas. Uh, big shout-out to my buddy, program director there, or brand manager, I'm sorry, Gavin Spittle, grew up with in Essex, Massachusetts, now dominating down in Dallas. All right, so uh, now uh, Joe swung on over to the guys at 93.7, the fan in Pittsburgh, and had some some really, really interesting things to say when it came to the fans, I mean, the fans, like, holy mackerel, what he says about the Pittsburgh fans, like that I did not, that was, I was not expecting. But I hope everybody enjoyed this uh, as we head into this last interview. Rate, review, subscribe, the whole ball of wax. All right, here you go. Joe in Pittsburgh. You never know who you're going to find here at Radio Row, and I thought I recognized this guy because it brings back flashbacks. Some of them are really good. And some of them are a little bit agonizing and nightmarish because 2013, the last time the Pirates won a playoff game was against the Cardinals. They lose that series in five. And Joe Kelly, former Cardinals pitcher who's here, still pitching in the big leagues here at Radio Row. I just bumped into him. And you're like, dude, I'll talk about those run-ins with the Pirates all you want. 100%. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, uh, I know this is football-based. Um but I live here in Scottsdale, and, and uh, I actually wrote a book with uh, Rob Bradford. It's called A Damn Near Perfect Game, coming out the 28th of February. So we were just promoting it, and then we ran across each other. And he goes, what's up? I'm like, hey, I remember you. Um, but gosh dang, 2013. Till this day, I've been in three World Series, right? I've been lucky enough and fortunate to play on great teams who have won two, right? Two good organizations. But 13, until this day, people say, what is the loudest playoff atmosphere you've ever been in and i've been in dodger stadium where they snuck seventy thousand people in i've been in fenway where it's lights out crazy um cardinals fans in the playoffs aren't as loud but it's great uh, the best fans on earth <laughs> I've, I've i was part of the game the infield fly game in atlanta where that place was a zoo people throwing bottles at us loud as heck 
But till this day, that I was tell the first them, wild card game, wasn't it? Yep. First one and done, right yep. there. Till this game, I tell them Pittsburgh. And number two, I say my favorite stadium in all of baseball. So obviously, everyone knows Johnny Cueto pitches for the Reds, dominating. Um, plays Pittsburgh, drops the ball, electric. It went viral. Johnny Cueto <laughs> was nervous. I played with him last year. I asked him. He was nervous. No, you did not. Swear to God. So you so, confirmed that that he got rattled by the he crowd. He said it that was day. loud, and he always plays with the ball in his hand. He kind of backtracked a little bit. He says it was loud, and he couldn't concentrate, and the ball fell out, and it made it worse. And so, <laughs> and then Russ hits the home run. Yes, and then Russ, my former catcher, and so I tell him Pittsburgh, and so I watch that. Right, we win, we go on to play the Pirates, and I am the first starting pitcher to pitch against the Pirates after the ball drop. And so in Pittsburgh, myself, games one and game up, two were in St. Louis. Leading up, game three, I'm the starter. Leading up to this game, all I can think about is don't drop the freaking ball. Don't <laughs> drop the freaking ball, Joe. And so I get out there 30 minutes before game time. I walk out of the dugout. Fans are already there. Instantly, one step, Kelly. And I'm like, what in the world? And so I put my head down, pretending, you know, hear it louder, louder, louder. Until. I got off the mound warming up for the game. It was the Johnny Cueto chant for me, and I didn't think I threw a strike in the bullpen. Not one. So I was, like, not nervous that they were doing it. I was, like, mad. Like, it's not even the freaking time. We haven't even started the damn game. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, it doesn't matter. It's just a bullpen. It doesn't matter if I throw a strike. So I was rattled from that aspect. Like, shut the hell up. You know what I mean? Um, and so, obviously, uh, we didn't win that game. No. I think I think I came out no decision, gave up three, maybe four. Um, Liriano was lights out for the Pirates. Liriano was unhittable. I got uh, I got two hits off of Liriano that season, um, one <laughs> double. You can check it. But <laughs> it was the loudest I've ever been a part of, and the most frustrating game of playoff baseball I've ever been a part of. You know, and I played in an eighteen inning baseball game in the World Series. So till this day, little kids, my dad, anyone asked me what's the craziest and loudest, I said Pittsburgh. After Johnny Cueto, they made him drop the ball, and they tried to do the same to me because I was the next pitcher at that game. Yeah, um, but <laughs> man, that brings that great memories. Joe, it, it's like a little bit of a balm as a lifelong Pirates fan to hear you say some of these things. However, did you guys always know you were going to come back and win that series? Because I just assumed Cardinals Devil Magic was going to take hold, and of course it did. Okay, so as a, if if I'm a player now, you know, I've, this is my 12th, 13th season coming up. I would say if that talent level compared to that talent, I would say 100% we beat them. But going into that atmosphere and seeing how they took care of the Reds, who I thought the Reds were better that season than the Pirates. You know what I mean? Uh, we had a we had a loaded Central that season. Uh, I honestly was still not sure if we'd make it out of that series. Um, luckily, we had the uh, rookie phenom of Michael Waka, who kind of oh, carried us all the way. God, you're just you are ripping you are ripping luckily, my guts out right him. now. I can Luckily see. We had him. I can see Joe Pedro Alvarez hitting one to the moon off yes. of him to finally. I think it might have yes. broken up a no hitter, and then I started to yep. pray that they would find a way to get to Rosenthal. And I, this is how sick I am about we that had series. So many young good players. Yeah, yeah. Joe, this is how sick yes. I am. This, and I don't have what like a, a crazy memory. <laughs> McCutcheon is one of my favorite Pirates of all time. Obviously, I'm 37, so he's he's the guy yeah. who brought back winning baseball. I still he think did. about. I still think about that guy who won an MVP that year, deciding he was going to take a 3-0 red meat fastball from Rosenthal, and I have convinced myself 10 years later if he would have swung, he would have hit it off over the fence, and they would have won that series right then and there. I still McCutcheon, remember it. Yeah, I still remember a warning track. 100% would have. Still remember a literal pitch. 
from that because series. In, and especially if you guys knew Rosenthal, um, he'll, he'll, he'll agree with me. Not the brightest of guys. Uh, <laughs> but he, as a young player, we had to get on him and be like, hey, lock it in. Um, McCutcheon in his prime versus Rosenthal's young player, I think McCutcheon definitely would have did damage. You guys, you had players who tormented the Pirates, Joe. Like, when I think of Pirates killers from those years, John Jay would walk into PNC Park and get four hits every game. He loved hitting there for whatever reason. He loved John Jay, killed the Pirates in those years. Colton Wong oh my used to kill yes. the Pirates. Matt Adams went Matt. to Slippery Rock, yeah, which is exactly. a D2 school that's I thought like it was D3 in Pennsylvania. Not even an hour north of Pittsburgh. Gotcha. And he was the first baseman, and he <laughs> and you guys would just always went when when you needed a win against the Pirates, you'd get it. Like game five, Wainwright was yes. just incredible. Wait, oh, yes, Wainwright was incredible. Honestly, it was anyone anyone who came out of that division was going to the World Series, you know. Um, the Dodgers were great, but obviously uh, we made a pass, but you breezed right Pittsburgh was you guys were so scary. Like I can remember, I was more nervous. Honestly, like I said, pitching in that game, and I faced uh, the Red Sox. I was the game three starter in the World Series against the Red Sox. No problem, no problem at all. But Pittsburgh, I was definitely like, gosh dang, this is crazy. This is crazy playoff baseball. I don't know what to do. Who were the guys in that lineup, Joe? That you were like, okay, Russell Martin owned me. Um, <laughs> Russell Martin owned me. Uh, Neil. Neil Walker, right? Yep. Neil, uh, another one of the guys who I got during the regular season a couple times. But those two guys, for some reason, McCutcheon I was always fine with. He would get his hits, and I just was okay with it. But I thought I would easily get out Neil Walker and uh, uh, Russell Martin all the time. Pedro I was fine with facing him. Um, but those two guys, they're le- you know, lefty for Neil. And then Russ, who, if you guys know Russ, <laughs> he's hilarious, you know, He's not all there, wild man. But I gave Russ so much credit as when I was facing him. But then he was my catcher when I was with the Dodgers. Um, I was like, damn it, why did I pitch around Russ so much? You know what I mean? Because he got me as a young guy early. Like, I think he took me deep when I was like my rookie year uh, in 12. Um, and then so I always had that thing in the back of my mind. You know, obviously as an older player, I know not to give hitters credit. Um, but when I was trying to stay in the big leagues, I was definitely like, man, Walker and, and, and Russ. Pedro was fine. Kutch was fine. Um, who was the other big lefty first baseman? Uh, cool. Would it have been not on that team? Minkavich? No, 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 not <laughs> Travis Ishikawa had a cup of, had a cup of coffee with the oh, Pirates. Yeah. Went to the Giants and he helped yes. them win a World Series. Hit the LCS um, winning homer. It was always the left. Yep. Yeah, it was all the always the lefties that kind of gave me problems for sure. Uh, AJ Burnett. We look at him in Pittsburgh <sighs> with reverence because he comes there and he like set a tone for those teams. Yeah, we were bad for so many years and he walked in. And he was like one of those badass guys from those years. Yes, you, you, AJ Burnett was the Chris Carpenter of Pittsburgh. Chris yeah, Carpenter yeah, I get that. Same, same kind of guy, bulldog. Um, he was very fun to watch. Yes, I, I loved watching AJ Burnett. So you got a book here going, Joe? What's yeah. So the book is called A Damn Near Perfect Game. Um, it's got a, it's it's great. Honestly, I wrote it with Rob Bradford at WEI. Um, I think that I've said it before. Uh, obviously, it has the, the whole pouty face. It's got the off-field stuff, mariachi jacket. Um, but my favorite chapter in the book is Rob Manfred, the commish, right? Um, there's a whole chapter dedicated to him. Didn't change any words. Left it as is. I interviewed Rob. Um, and I think it's going to change, obviously, the fans' pers- perspective. It changed me as a player, right? I, I wouldn't say I hated, but we did not get along, right? He suspended me twice. Um, you know, fined me a ton of money multiple times. Um but until I actually had a conversation with him about the state of baseball, 
ownership from from you know him putting new rules in with your know, pitch clock banning the shift. Um, Could you get him to get have a salary cap so we can get our team <laughs> right? Yeah, back no, in this but, thing, Joe. <laughs> I mean, we we sat down and talked for you know forty five minutes, and I can't wait for people to read it for that part of the book, just because they're gonna they're. I hope they come out liking Rob Manford because me, I didn't, and now I see him as a human being, and and I actually understand him and how hard of a job that is and he really is on the player side even though he works for the owner so i think it's gonna be cool joe so. kelly former cardinals pitcher great to see you man <laughs> hey see you boys